It's gritty Atlantis. It's gritty Atlantis. <laughs> it's Atlantis where they kill people. <laughs> <laughs> Waiting for a break in the rain Waiting for the moment to change your lane I came home from the wasteland Heroic and triumphant like a comic book girl Created out of nothing like a comic book girl Hey! So excited to talk about <laughs> Atlantis <laughs> we were like no no it's not about atlantis last week <laughs> i mean it's not it's 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 definitely really a okay nerd it is i forgot the name of it already nerd it's not she's just memeing fun fact uh i i, I went down a wikipedia rabbit hole about really a little bit that led me to the wikipedia article about poles of inaccessibility and now i'm fascinated by poles of inaccessibility did you also know that the oceanic point of inaccessibility which is like very close to where both lovecraft and august derleth sort of like pinpoint really on the map did you know that that particular point in the ocean is not only the center of the South Pacific gyre, it is a spacecraft cemetery. Mm-hmm, between the 60s one. and the... Wait, is this different than what we read about? Between the 60s and the 2020s, there were at least like seven this full is space stations sunk under the water at that exact point. Oh, yeah. Stations. These are places where people lived. There's seven of them. And they're all down there. I guess we're starting off with a conspiracy theory. 263 spacecraft were dis- disposed in the area between 1971 and 2016. 263 spacecraft. Are you done yet? Mm, that's it's, cool. I'm happy for you. I don't really It's terrifying about, and but... fascinating to be uh, like every other part of the deep sea. Hey, I'm Parker, she, her, and I got voted off the island back in season one, but I'm back now and I'm out for blood. You've been here almost the whole time, Parker. Yeah, it's been cutting back to me scheming and plotting after I got kicked off the island uh, in the sort of side interstitial stuff that's not within the plot of the main season, but now I'm officially back. Hi, my name's Erso Rin, and Parker basically stole my fun fact this week. Oh no! I've realized my true calling, which is to win a dating show. I believe in you. We may or may not have been talking about dating shows before uh, we started recording. Uh, Without me, I see how it is. Because I was working, I was earning money, toiling away at the office for meager pay. I don't, I don't know what that's. I don't know what selling that's my labor under capitalism. What's your yeah. fun fact? Hi, name? I'm Cassandra Kelly. I use she/her pronouns, and I own several more knives than I did previously. I don't know. Is that yes. fun? I accidentally got double knives for generic winter holiday. I asked for knives from too many people, and I got double knives. Nothing wrong with that. I have an athame. That's is, very good. Yeah, kind of like a knife. I suppose Anathema. we should just get into it instead of talking about our cool knife collections. Although I'm sure Professor Laody would prefer to hear about our cool knife collections because, like, you know, just to spice it up. Because, I mean, how many of these, how many different class groups are there? How many different groups in analyzing primary sources 102 are there? Like, We're the worst of all of them. We might be the worst. Was. I assume we're the worst. I assume that I we are the I just got distracted. What are we the worst at? Being history students for our professor. We're not history students anymore. We're science students uncovering these conspiracies. 
I don't think that's what scientists do, but go off. This Some week we read Animorphs Volume 36, The Butation, narrated by Jake. He's turning into an orca on the cover. I misheard that as the butician. <laughs> <laughs> Animorphs number 36, The Munitions. <laughs> With actually a beautician, if they're like doing your hair, would have a great way to sneak a yerk into your brain. Oh my god, hey. that's a great point. They're like, they're like, oh, I have this cool slimy substance that'll really help your skin, but I just put it right mm-hmm. on your ear, and you're like, oh, cool. Mm-hmm. And then boom. If and if Animorphs the munition is not just eels getting launched through a fire hose into a burning building, I don't know what it is. Oh my god, that's a good point. Wait, maybe Rachel gets launched out of a cannon, human cannon ball style, but she becomes a grizzly bear in midair. She is the munition. Um, yeah. So anyway, this is the Atlantis book, and <laughs> it's made up. That's the summary. It's Atlantis, and it's made up. Like, I like to compose my synopses. I was going to, and then I got distracted. Fair ADD friends. I think this one was real, just for the record. Okay, shut up. So I'm talking right now. So basically, the Animorphs find out that there's going to be this special fancy new blade ship, which is underwater capable. And this is a big deal because the Pemolite ship is still underwater. And everyone really wants the Pemolite ship because it's got all kinds of important information and weapons and stuff, whatever. Mostly the information, I think. I don't think they really have weapons. They definitely don't have weapons. Yeah. It has information. It says like where the Chi are and stuff. I don't know. Whatever. Point is, I'm I'm completely winging this while also sewing a hem. So bear with me. So they uh, find out Blarg. There's a sea blade is what it's called. And it's big. It's scary. It's badder than ever. And so they have to go destroy it to prevent it from finding the Pemolite ship because it's not just like oh you know the chi can move the Pemolite ship because it's like then they'll just keep looking for it forever they have to actually destroy the sea blade and hope that like they won't build another one I guess yeah so they go after and they have to morph orcas so they morph orcas and go after it um there's some really creepy stuff with like morphing the orcas feels weirdly like morphing a human and they attack the ship in what is possibly the most horrifying scene of the journals so far yeah definitely. at least the most like upfront viscerally horrifying because it is up there they keep getting torn apart also there are real orcas there like some real orcas not morphed join their pod and so then they're all um attacking the ship and they're just getting torn apart and they have to keep going up to the surface morphing back into humans or hawk in tobias's case and going back down and morphing into orcas again and ramming the ship again and then getting torn apart and doing it all over again i think they end up having to morph like three or four times each finally they think they've disabled the ship they go back down and they see some weird dudes giving it a tow and they're like what and these weird dudes tow it away so they follow the ship through like a spooky passageway and then they find themselves in a super spooky mummy museum where there are all of these ships that have been set up with like spooky mummy crew people. And they're from all different places, all different time periods. Tobias and Jake appear to be like weirdly well versed on like naval history because they can ID most of the ships. And yeah, well, Jake's grand- like, great grandfather or whatever was in World War II. Oh, that's right. I always forget about that. And so then they are like trying to figure out who the heck this is. Short answer, it's basically Atlantis. Um, 
there's some people who were on an island that blew up and went under the sea. And then they like genetically evolved because there was like radiation and stuff to be really well adapted for living underwater, but really poorly adapted for living on land. So then they're like, blarg, we're going to stuff you and put you on a display, blah, 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 blah. And then uh, Visser 3 is there and he like morphed to hide when he was on the sea blade. So they don't know that he's there. The uh, Atlantis dudes. And so then they have to, like, sort of team up with Visser 3 for a second to get on the Sea Blade and get out. And then they blow the Sea Blade and swim out. And it's creepy. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. It's creepy can uh, generally be used to sum up this journal. Yeah. Because who boy, people get stuffed and cut from the back and dissected and that's just a good saturday baby (laughs) it takes a lot of time and chemicals to properly cure a hide i don't know how they're making these mummies this quickly it disturbs me oh my daddy was a mummy Maybe they're underwater, so it's like the pressure is different. Oh, my daddy was a well, but if they're underwater, then things should degrade even faster. Everything about this is unnerving. Yeah, I was like this whole time. I was like, oh, are we? Uh, are we in California? Are we off the coast of Massachusetts, where there's a bunch of day god worshippers or whatever? I guess we don't hear a lot about the religious practices of the Nartec, but yeah, it's 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 really. A... I did not get that joke. <laughs> I yeah, got no, the joke. I, was... I just refused to laugh. <laughs> Try to make an Elizabeth joke. H.P. Uh, Lovecraft is awful, but... Have you read Rufana Emrys' books? Did she write Wintertide? Yes. It is very much on my list. I really, really want to read it. I just haven't gotten my hands on a copy yet. So y'all y'all know that I, I think that the fact that the, the historicity of these books, the historical quality of these books is important to me, and, and things that they say happened, happened, and I trust the compilers of these books... There are a few things about this book that demand more thorough explanations that are provided mm-hmm. in this journal. Like, oh. I was like, you know, I like that they make an attempt to describe how the genetic stuff worked, but I'm still like, mm. generally, that's not how that works. But I'm willing to. I don't know. I don't know. It's Axe the plot just says of every radiation, movie. and everyone's like, <laughs> okay, everyone cool. just goes, oh, okay, like they know what he's talking. It's, yeah, I'm pretty sure this isn't how radiation works. I don't know. Maybe there's some other alien influence. I think that that's probably likely. There's probably like a weird meteor or something that nobody knew about that oh, made this happen. A weird meteor. Okay, the thing that I need to cover real quick is they say at the beginning that the Pebbleite ship is in a Navy firing range and there's like mines and stuff nearby and things explode on the rig. Oh yeah, nothing happened with that. The last time that we saw the Pebbleite ship was at the end of Animorphs Volume 27, The Exposed, where it was moved by presumably Eric, but definitely the Chi in general, to be at a depth that only androids could reach. Prior to this point, they needed deep sea morphs, giant squid, and sperm whale to get down to where it was at all. And now, after and after the events of that book, apparently it was moved even deeper. But that doesn't track with what is being said in this book. Well, I do think that part is just that they're blowing up the sea blade, not going. After yeah, they're not the actually blade. going after the Hemalite ship this time. The sea blade is just that they monitor the fact that it's built and then they surveil it until it launches and then they follow it on, on its. This is its first journey ever. I guess that's true. That makes sense. So they're but just testing it out. Given what's written. It is an undeniable conclusion that after the Pebbleite ship was moved the first time to a depth that only androids could reach, it was moved again. Because of the mines. Why? Yeah, they probably just move it regularly. 
I mean, we don't really know the specifications of what the sea blade can and can't do with regards to like deep sea diving, but this is not deep sea diving. This is just regular. No, sea but the diving. whole point is to make it inaccessible. So why would they move it into a place that's accessible? Maybe well, that's probably why they designed the, the sea blade so that it would attempt to go past those limits that the the chi are trying to exploit. And you're saying it ever gets there because they sabotage it with orcas before it could get to it's the sort of depth it's designed to work at. Yeah, this is its first test run. <laughs> I think part of the problem is, I'm not sure you two are talking about the same ships. I'm talking about the Seablade. Yeah, Parker is talking about the Pemolite ship. Right, but then Erso said that it's not the Pemolite ship that they're dealing with, it's the Seablade. You were talking about the fact that they had moved it. Right. Yeah, they moved They moved the Pemolite ship, sure. Like, why though? Yeah. Why would they move it from a position of security elsewhere? Because they're Yerks and they have the technologies composite from many different species. Why wouldn't they be, why would they not be able to like, I don't know, take what they'd gotten on Lyra or whatever and be able to design something that could plunge those depths? I feel like saying, oh, okay, well, only androids can reach this point is a very temporary solution because they can just make an unmanned sea craft. They're probably moving it around regularly to make sure that it doesn't like pick, get picked up on any Yerk scanners. I feel like that's a very reasonable explanation. I don't know. I don't see why they would move it again after the end of volume 27, but I guess that that is kind of a moot point. Well, I disagree, but that's fine. Okay, so this book begins with Jake and Cassie meeting up and watching a Hork-Bajir die on an operating table. Just another fun date of theirs. <laughs> um, why does Visser 3 suck so bad at science? <laughs> because, like, He's too busy watching Sailor Moon. Cassie's like, oh my god, Visser 3, you can't just slap a bunch of gills on a hork and expect it to work. <laughs> uh, why not? Stop trying to make amphibious hork happen. It's never gonna happen. It's never gonna happen. Between this and the, like, GMO that brain controls all human <laughs> beings, why does he suck so bad at science? Like, what is Maybe going on? He was more of a humanities major. He studied literature in college. Or anti-humanities. Look. And they didn't have prerequisites. Oh my god. Look. Okay. <laughs> he just took the basic stuff to get by. Yeah. C's to get degrees, baby. <laughs> He's got competent underlings. C's get degrees three. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I think yeah. he's a. He, I think his major is in megalomania, though. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, ma- major in megalomania, minor in like showmanship. Isn't that just theater? Is that not just theater? It's actually <laughs> just theater. Visser three is the theater major villain we've been hoping for this entire time. <laughs> the theater major representation. Theater evil did. theater major representation at last. That's redundant. Somebody who's not the stage manager as the villain. Thank you. He has competent underlings. Maybe not in the field of xenobiology because human control don't know about that stuff but like he has people who know that you can't just slap gills on a hork and call it a day well as we saw in the gmo one he doesn't listen to his underlings he doesn't he sucks i hate it would you prefer that visser 3 had been competent because we would all be living under yerk occupation right now if visser 3 had been competent what i'm saying is why did the council of 13 or whatever it is like put this absolute goofus in charge of the invasion he has a andalite body (laughs) like i don't think he's actually good at his job he just he just holds a lot of power in the visor why did the electoral college put donald trump in charge of america in 2016 politics i am i am a lover of the hork bajir you know this about me i am very i am as mad as cassie about this all and the fact that she's like we gotta go just do some real violence i recognize as not proportional given the stakes that 
they are operating on like all the time but this is the exact kind of thing that would get me just like i don't blame you i mean it's like it's kind of hard for these kids to grasp the real scope of what they're like dealing with as being bad like oh everything is being threatened there's individual people that make that a reality to feel much more scary and intense you know yeah, Jake says something about Marco. Yeah, Marco wasn't convinced it was necessary. Like, Marco, obviously, as the pragmatist, like, has a, a broader view of the situation. It is like, mm, is this really worth doing? But, like, Cassie sort of sees the moral calculus of this kind of, like, mm-hmm. weird gene torture. It is just, like, absolutely not. Yeah. Weird gene torture is what I call skinny genes. <laughs> battle the sea blade uh, and orica gets sort of bisected vertically hot dog style i hate that so much if you were gonna get bisected would you prefer to get bisected hot dog or <laughs> i feel like hot dog would result in you dying faster so I'll, I'll take that one if jojo's bizarre adventure is anything to indicate by uh you could survive for like 10 minutes to uh in order to like make your dramatic sort of parting monologue after you've been cut in half at the waist <laughs> so like probably vertically uh they fight the sea blade i feel like a thing that's designed to be able to do space should be able to be bludgeoned by some whales i don't know (laughs) i don't know isn't bludgeoning damage like a very real concern in space well with our you know with the with the technology at the time that this was being written like if you so much as had like a like a divot in the outside of your space vessel then that whole thing would probably blow up well but i think in space part of the problem is that stuff goes really fast so it's like it doesn't matter. It's it's less about, like, armor and more about, like, at a certain velocity, like, a pebble is gonna break your spaceship. Mm-hmm. I think it's that they hit specific weak points. I think they, they mentioned that, like, they're trying to hit, like, the engines or whatever. Oh, yeah. It lights up with hitboxes like it's a video game. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, it, like, goes from a cinematic portion to a, a gameplay-oriented portion, and, like, mm-hmm. someone is yelling from behind, like, shoot the glowing point! That's the part that will do the most <laughs> critical damage. The Nartek do not name, do not provide a name for... Their world? The the place that they live in. That's not true. No, they talk about it at the end. Do they? Do they, yeah. do they mention a name for it? I didn't see one. And I know you were looking because you really wanted to make your Cthulhu joke. They're wildly effective in combat. They managed to kill a bunch of people. I wouldn't say they're wildly effective at combat because Tobias specifically says when he morphs one that they're weak and slow. Right. Um, but they're ambush I'm hunters. weak and slow and I could still kill someone. But they are cunning and they have lots of weapons they managed to kill quote viking and roman warriors pirates and royal navy officers japanese carrier pilots and u.s marines after they like are partially sunk i think it's just the element of surprise yeah what i I think is interesting is when defund the military what i said because they they're killing a bunch of like soldiers and stuff so i said the nartex they defund the military oh (laughs) i wish that was true they're like i sort of when i was reading this again i was like i was very optimistic about it i was like there might this might be a really cool society and there might be some like interesting equalities that have been achieved here or that haven't been achieved anywhere else but i think because of a shortage of resources and stuff this area surrounding the, the palace is inhabited by those Nartek of better families, Naka said solemnly, those of wealth and prestige. Um, there's like a very real scarcity thing, and Cassie's like, good to know that discrimination is alive and well, I feel at home, which is like, oof. Oof. It's a shame that it had to be gritty Atlantis and not regular Atlantis. <laughs> I mean, Cassie says it herself. Chapter 12, the quote is, kind of skanky for Atlantis. <laughs> I too am kind of skanky for Atlantis. 
Jake, it was Cassie. Look at their necks. They're, they're gilled. And webbed, I said grimly. Feet and hands. And the eyes. They're oversized like the ones on a seagull, Tobias noted. Not a bad body on that one, Marco said. That energy stares from all of us. What? What? I can't compliment a fish girl? No, Marco, you may not. No, Marco. <laughs> I'm with Marco on this one. Nope. No, that's no. bad. <laughs> he's like a teen. No, he's not allowed to sexualize a fish girl. No. If the fish girl's hot, then no. I'm No, okay, her. no. God. I'm sorry I said anything. Marco's masculinity quarter is over. And his name is John C. <laughs> Can we have one more Marco's masculinity corner for old time's sake? I want to talk about the shape of water. Uh, oh, man. You did just kind of... Well, that... Because I was definitely imagining them as looking kind of like the dude from Shape of Water. You can't, like... If you bring well, up the I'm shape of water, that kind of, invalid, that kind of invalidates my whole situation here. Because I'm trying to be like, you know, sexy. you shouldn't do that. But they're sexy. But... Because it's the shape of water. No, no. Anyway, the point is the dude from Shape of Water is hot. Yes. Yes. Undeniable fact. Rachel attempts to, before they learn that they're called the Dartek, Rachel attempts to christen the, the Bee Gees for bluegills. Yes! That's so uncreative. That's a type of fish already, isn't it? Is oh it really? God, is it? I think it is. Wait, I think you might be right. Was that in the 1990s, though? Yeah, dude. It's It's been a type of fish for ages, I think. Well, she doesn't listen to music, nor is she a marine biologist, so... I cannot actually confirm that there is a kind of fish called the BG. No, a bluegill. Oh. Oh. <laughs> I thought you were talking about the bee. Bluegill is a kind of fish. Uh, and here we see the migration patterns of the northern striped BG. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Stand that. Stan, that's probably the only one I know. And the only reason I'm so familiar with the song Staying Alive is because I've gotten a CPR certification twice. Yes! I want to know how you came to the land of the Nartek, and I am extremely curious as to the four-legged blue creature that seems to accompany you as a pet. Axe stiffened. The creature is quite magnificent. Axe relaxed. About an inch. <laughs> <laughs> that's a mood honestly. Axe holds on to this comment by Queen Soko for the rest of the journal. <laughs> Axe is not happy. Well, he likes to swear fealty someone, but he does not like other people to pick up on it automatically. Mm -hmm. Do pets swear fealty? Are you saying that my dog has sworn fealty to me? <laughs> did you not do that ritual? I did that ritual with my cat. Oh, I mean, you gotta do it with a cat, because if you don't make your cat swear fealty to you, they'll murder you in your sleep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> So the Nartek are, even within their villainy, if, if you could call killing and stuffing a bunch of people for use in science exhibits villainy. I would call that villainy, yeah. I mean, it's a cultural I think, thing. I don't think the Nartek as a people are villainous. I think Queen Soko is a bad person. You tend to see that with a lot of other sort of like rulers who came into power via heredity, especially if that heredity is like... Oh, yeah. Kind of Habsburg-y, you know. So, okay, so for all of their villainy in terms of, like, capturing people and, like, having a plan for world conquest and stuff. That's Queen Soko's thing, though. Like, they oppress half of their population, or probably more than half of their population, I was, just to be able to survive. I like, was going to say, despite all of that, the Dartek are a tragic story. Their whole history and the sort of state of their culture and their civilization and the sort of threats against it at the moment, to me, make them tragic figures. Yeah, I I, if they were real, I would agree with you. Well, okay. Oh my god. So what I was going to ask is, do either of you know what happened to them after the Yurk War? I mean, we've never, as far as I know, not like I'm, you know, a Nartex scientist, but as far as I know, 
there's never been any like updates on them like for all i know you know maybe our government has made contact with them secretly but like we don't it seems know like they're pretty well it. hidden and they also have really advanced technology to be able to prevent themselves from being found given how widespread these books are though and given how long it's been i imagine yeah and how like small of an area it could have possibly taken place in you know it's not like they go like super super far away I imagine that all these things would add up to them being locatable. Maybe they moved. <laughs> that seems like a lot of work to move that whole civilization. They found the Pemelite ship. <laughs> Consider if some potentially, maybe a uh, an inequality-hating and deeply empathetic teen tells you, hey, the whole cave that you live in is super radioactive and that's bad for you. Maybe you should move. I don't know anyone. I don't, think they would I don't know of anyone like that. <laughs> maybe if you get some advice from a from a wise and like powerful teen, maybe you could just no move your thing whole thing as a wise and powerful teen. Maybe you could just move your whole situation. Maybe they were killed by climate change. <laughs> I, I don't like that either. <laughs> that seems more plausible. Oh, that's rough. Yeah, it sucks, but especially with dwindling numbers and refusal to re reach out to the surface for help, I wouldn't be surprised. Okay, so again, I think that this didn't happen, and I think these are made up, but like, sure. if we are spitballing plausible explanations for why we've never heard about them, besides just, uh, they're made up, they don't exist, <laughs> which I think is really the most plausible, um, it could just be that their population really just collapsed, you know, like, mm -hmm. they were already, they were past the point where, like, breeding out programs could have really fixed things. Yeah. It could have been this was just the last generation. Oh, God, some of the implications. Yeah, it's pretty messed up. I mean, they were basically on the verge of trying to overtake the surface anyways, regardless of how them. successful it would actually be. Good for them. <laughs> They're trying. I kind of do want whoever is living down under the ocean, whether it's like octopuses or squids or whatever, to come and take over the, the, the world. Like, that would be great. I think octopi would do a great job running the world. That's why I don't eat them. I want them to know I'm their ally. Yeah. Is it Slaughterhouse-Five where there's a bunch of Martians and they attack Earth, but then their huge and beautiful Martian army is, like, really pathetic and pitiful in comparison to the combined <laughs> military forces of Earth and they just immediately die in a blaze of glory? <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure. I, know, I have no idea. I haven't read that book. I'm pretty sure it's Slaughterhouse-Five. I feel like that's what would happen to these all if they attempted to conquer yeah. Earth. No one uses fax machines, but call, you'll hear the noise. Statues left by ancient Greeks, the perfect cheeks of goddesses and boys. Piled in the closet, broken toys. Hey, the thing that, the, whatever the heck that Visor 3 morphs into is... Sexy? Cool as hell! possibly the worst thing he's ever morphed i hate it a lot i would say definitely the worst thing he's ever morphed and also cool as hell oh god i do want to see the morph that he's in in this book fight like a giant robot i think it would be sick it's got teeth full of electricity it's so cool i want to draw it i can see it so clearly in my mind for some reason i can see clearly now it is the luminar a beast from a moon of the planet sligab 5 who else sligab 5 <laughs> who else but the viscerine morph up real far. yeah seven feet of blowtorch yes yubby two short arms and two stubby legs protruded from a bulbous body sausage-like fingers 
a wide smile, crackling with electricity. Okay, when you when you put it like that, yeah, but consider that the whole thing is on fire. The Luminar extended one fat finger toward the Nartek. Fried, a charred body collapsed in charcoal flakes to the floor. That's great! My, my stomach heaved. The smell was revolting. I hate this! <laughs> okay, well, don't, don't, like, flash sear fish. That's not a good way to cook fish. You haven't gutted that. Like, you need to gut okay, it, what, and then, like... What percentage are the Nartek fish, and what percentage are the human? Because I need to know if for eating purposes are we human oh like does it qualify as cannibalism <laughs> yeah let's have that discussion again i think it might still be cannibalism <sighs> well i don't know but then we talked about how eating a chimpanzee isn't really cannibalism i mean no eating a chimpanzee is definitely a different species but the dart we don't know if the nartek are genetically a different species yeah you know what they could have solved all of their outbreeding problems by just like the shape of water comes out and they pop up on land and they're like hey so we think <laughs> the shape of water is really popular you want to solve our outbreeding problem hey it's me shape charlie. from the shape of water his name's charlie Jesus. i got a shape here it's for you oh my god who among us does not know someone like you know i will not all of us are this person i'm not sure i'm this person but who among us does not know someone who would be really into the idea of like having a nice oceanic holiday under the water <laughs> in this cool with a nice oceanic husband and, ha and having hot nasty fish sex <laughs> <laughs> with someone who looks like the dude from the shape of water are you saying that like because being someone who likes to have sex with fish people is this is the equivalent of having a gay cousin like there's always going to be one yes yes i am well i don't know anyone who wants to have sex with fish so i guess that means <laughs> i guess that means something about me <laughs> <laughs> probably i mean like i feel like for me personally i wouldn't really want to go hang out like in the nartex homeland because i would just be so worried about like something going wrong game crushed by the like pressure of all the water above me but like you know if the dude from the shape someone who looks like the dude from the shape of water and who is like nice and respectful and that is the part of the problem is they're not very nice or respectful but if someone who looks like the dude from the shape of water showed up on land it was like listen I need your help to save my species. I would think about it. <laughs> I would say no, I would say no because the concept of pregnancy horrifies me, but I would think about it. Well, it would be a noble cause at the very least. Yeah. So. <laughs> and then I would direct them to some of my friends who I know would do more than just think about it. Uh, they team up with Visser 3 in this book. I love villain team-ups. Like, okay, I know that, like, it's a real historical dude, whatever, blah, 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 blah. But, like, in fiction, I love begrudging villain team-ups so much. Yeah, this definitely, like, if you were gonna, like, tell this to someone, the shorthand would always just be, like, oh, yeah, they team up with the bad guy and to escape, and they just barely get away. You know, it's, like, very much the end of an episode of, like, anyone's he favorite sci-fi TV show. He shakes his fist and says, I'll get you in your little Andalite, too. Wait, how have we not had this discussion? Assign a Scooby-Doo character to an Animorph. I, I don't go there. Okay, I know nothing about Scooby-Doo, but just going off of, like, vibes, I think Jake is probably Fred. Yes. Rachel is Daphne. Cassie is Velma. Marco is Shaggy. Marco is... Sh I was gonna say Marco. Does that make Tobias Velma. Scooby? What the... F no, I, nope, shut it down. This is what I've gathered from the <laughs> Okay, so we get an answer to the to the cannibalism question slash the, uh, the other questions about Nartech biology and things that you might be able to do with that. Uh, Axe says that they are merely mutated humans. That's his quote. So by that logic, they are theoretically us. Also, like, how much, how di how different do, like, different types of closely related beetles look to you, you know? 
This this is just a bio one oh one discussion. Like we get to know that I'm a beetle in Axe's eyes. Like all all humans are beetles. <laughs> Why did they turn the entire body into genetic material? It's a delicious milkshake. It's like you know you got to use every part of the mm-hmm. every part of the deer. Yeah, it's like you know that movement. Yeah, they use every part of the body, but they only use it for one thing. Like they're not taking mm-hmm. into account the other like the other potential utility that they could be getting from the other parts of the body. They're just like, oh, no, throw it all in the blender. (laughs) I don't want to think about that. That sucks. (laughs) Jake's line at the end of chapter 23 is stone cold. Interesting morph, Visser, I said. Does it work underwater as, like, they're flooding the entire (laughs) thing? I'm like, oh! Yeah. Makes you you wonder how many of the Visser's other morphs have also been susceptible to, like, (laughs) regular Earth commodities the viscer is secretly just one of the aliens from war of the worlds we've made the war of the worlds comparison before i think i know i'm making it again okay i want i feel like there's so many more positive endings to this that could have happened they're all like oh these people are the nartek are bad they should just be killed honestly rachel has some pretty scary stuff to say yeah rachel and cassie probably raced to Either, hey, like, tell the Nartek, like, hey, uh, maybe get away from all the radiation and do something else. Or it was, like, Cassie racing to inform them about radiation versus Rachel racing to just kill them. Yeah, that's so extreme. I don't think Rachel could have taken out all of them. I think that... The fact that she tries is bad. That's genocide. Yeah, it is. It is, yeah, it's very bad. It is, yeah. It's not good. Although, I like the sort of counterpoint that gets made that, like, their civilization's obsession with, like, violence and weaponry stems purely from what they've salvaged from the surface humans. Yeah. That is an interesting point. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, I think it's uh, prescient. Yeah, the part where uh, Jake is looking at, you know, the various dead soldiers and stuff and he's looking at specifically some dead taxidermy japanese pilots and he's thinking about how you know back when they presumably sank they were the united States' enemies but now they don't look or feel like enemies at all in this context i was just like hmm shades of gray jacob <laughs> yeah the fact that he like wants to just really jump to conclusions about who and who is not the enemy of the state at any given point in history is pretty yeah it makes sense with the fact that his family has a military background yeah yeah i think i know where you're going <laughs> jacob animorph you gotta you oh, gotta jacob bring animorph. that in uh next week we're reading animorphs volume 37 the weakness featuring a very not weak seeming rachel morphing into a cool cheetah on the cover yeah spoiler alert rachel is not the weak part of it well she sort of is my opinion on next week's book is that it's everyone who's weak rachel's facial expression on the cover of next week's book is very much the facial expression she makes when marco makes a a bad joke that she doesn't like (laughs) until then stay safe everybody Okay, stay safe. Yeah, thanks for reading the mutation. Bye! Woo! Bye! Stay safe! I am, in fact, a genetic mutant. Stay safe! The Morph Report is on Patreon. We care a lot about accessibility, and we are paying someone to transcribe all of our episodes. We have a variety of tiers to choose from. Some of our tiers have some pretty juicy rewards. For example, if you pay enough money, you can even force us to watch the TV show and potentially read the other series by K.A. Applegate and Michael Grant, Everworld. We would really love it if you would check us out and consider supporting us. Thank you. Stay safe. Thanks to Noelle Micarelli for the use of their songs Comic Book Girl, off the EP Field Notes from Another Place, and Complicated Spoon. 
You can find more of their music at noelmicarelli.bandcamp.com. The Morph Report is hosted by Marina Malucci, Scrivener Lamb, and Blythe. You could follow us on Twitter at Morph Report. If you have a question for the Podmorphs, tweet at us or send us an email, and we'll answer it on the show. Our email is themorphreport at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. Stay safe. love the Animorph series? How about podcasts? Do you love podcasts? Well, then listen no further, dear listener, and allow me to introduce the Animorphs podcast directory. Here you'll find an ever-growing list of Animorphs-themed podcasts to sit your every Animorphin desire. Check it out. We'll see you there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I don't think they provided a for their whole. So hear me out. I got this pitch for you. I got this pitch for you. New TV show on the CW. <laughs> Atlantis, but grittier. I don't know what that. Is. So wait, 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 wait. <laughs> is that your CW executive accent? Yeah, it's Atlantis, wait, but they kill. I'm people. gonna make a funny joke. Okay. Have you ever seen that the steward hat on? I'm weird. I'm not like everybody else. <laughs> if I had understood your words, that might have, if I had subtitles for that joke, I think I maybe would have understood it and laughed.